2: We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Franz Authority on AM 1420. The answer.
3: Indeed, it is a great morning to you. Let me reemphasize, I am changing my morning greeting from good morning to you to a great morning to you. Thank you for joining us on this Friday, the third morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2020. It is a great morning indeed. And why? Because the world is safer today than it was when you went to bed last night. It is a great morning because one of the world's top terrorists one of the worst offenders in a nation full of horrible terrorist offenders is dead. No matter what the liberal working in the cubicle beside you might tell you, no matter what the family member who may have texted you may say, no matter what the leftist freaks on Twitter may be screaming about, make no mistake, the world is a better place today Because Qasem Soleimani is no longer in it. Well, technically he may be in it. That depends on whether or not they buried him. He may be in the earth, literally. Or perhaps dumped into the ocean the way they did with another terrorist son of a blank, Osama bin Laden. But understand this. We are safer today than we were before, no matter what. The left wants you to believe. Secretary
4: of State Mike Pompeo. President Trump made the decision, uh, a serious decision, which uh, was necessary. There was an imminent attack. Uh, The orchestrator, the primary motivator for the attack was Qasem Soleimani attempt to disrupt that plot. You, you all have been talking this morning about the history of who Qasem Soleimani is. He's got hundreds of American lives, blood on his hands. Um, but what was sitting before us was uh, his travels throughout the region and his efforts to make a significant strike against Americans. There would have been many Muslims killed as well, Iraqis, people in other countries as well.
3: And that is a great thing, saving all of those lives, and indeed, to an extent, avenging the lives of hundreds of Americans and likely thousands of our allies, literally taken by this man's actions, by the attacks that he personally orchestrated. Qasem Soleimani was a stain on the earth, as is the Ayatollah Khamenei, who is now promising retribution for his death as are the lives of how many millions of liberal Americans who are, instead of celebrating this act of justice ordered by our president, are apologizing to the world's leading sponsor of terrorism, the nation of Iran, for taking out their general. Apologizing to Iran for killing a man who has killed personally hundreds of Americans. They don't want us to have justice. They want us to continue to feed the very nation that is attacking us. How many more pallets of cash shall we send after the Obama administration did so? I have said on this program, I've hinted around at it, I have sometimes stated it bluntly, but I have never just stated it with the con- confirmation and, and, and the belief that I have right now. Liberal American Democrats hate, hate the United States of America. They have shown it, they have proven it, and I don't care if this offends them that we are pointing it out their desire to fundamentally transform this country from a nation of liberty, this glorious constitutional republic that brings liberty, that brings uh, opportunity to millions in our borders and outside as the greatest force for good in the history of the world. They want to fundamentally transform it. They want to erase its origins. They want to erase its economic model. They want to convert it to socialism. They want to welcome Sharia law. These people, I have long said, hate this country. Otherwise, they wouldn't be trying to change it. And now we have more definitive proof, as they literally apologize to Iran for killing their terrorist leader. More from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo.
4: We made very clear that these responses would be swift and decisive. We've now demonstrated that. I hope that the Iranian leadership will see that. They'll see American resolve and that their decision will be to de-escalate, to, to take actions consistent with what normal nations do. Uh, and in the event that they do not, in the event that they go the other direction, I know that President Trump and the entire United States government is prepared to respond appropriately.
3: The United States government has just changed the game. President Donald Trump has just served notice. Attack Americans the way they were in Baghdad, at the American embassy. Attack Americans under our watch? Get a rocket shoved up your behind. And that is exactly what we just did with Suleimani. And that is exactly what was deserved, and it is exactly the kind of deterrent that needs to be made very, very clear to the Iranians, to the Syrians, and anybody else that is even thinking about striking or acting out against Americans. Former Congressman Colonel
0: Alan West. This is someone that's going to defend America and defend American interests and our men and women that are deployed overseas.
1: Bernie Sanders doesn't think that. He says Trump's dangerous escalation brings us closer to another disastrous war in the Middle East. Elizabeth Warren says this reckless move escalates the situation with Iran. Joe Biden, a long message, says this President Trump just tossed a stick of dynamite into a tinderbox. But in Biden's defense, he does say this is a bad guy.
2: Um, What's your reaction to their reaction?
0: Well, it's very interesting that I guess they figure it's okay to send billions of dollars of palletized cash to the number one state sponsor of Islamic terrorism in the world as a means by which they can try to appease or compromise or acquiesce to the Iranians. Uh, This is going to draw a very clear difference, a delineation between President Trump and what he is doing and these people that are running to be president of the United States of America on the issue of national security. So I think that they are not starting off 2020 on a good political footing. If they're going to start siding with Iran and not taking action against a terrorist organization, which is what the coup's force is.
3: Colonel, he was getting bolder and bolder. He didn't think... That's extraordinarily important, by the way, what Colonel West just said. Literally, American Democrats, liberal Democrats who hate this country are siding with the terrorist and his terrorist-sponsoring nation. Whose side are you on? The United States or Iran's? They're making it clear.
1: They're on Iran's side. We have the courage to take the shot at him. He's landing in an airport from another country. We he basically could almost, uh, we almost saw him at the uh, ticket booth getting a ticket. He never thought we'd take the shot. Why do you think we took it now?
0: Well, because we cannot have someone acting with impunity such as this. I mean, he is responsible for the most recent attacks. He is there in Iraq orchestrating the attacks of these Shiite paramilitary forces and to include, you know, attacking our embassy. And this is not going to be another Benghazi. And the Democrats have to be very concerned about, you know, coming up and saying that the uh, recent attack on the embassy was going to be Trump's Benghazi. President Obama did not send forces. President Obama did not react as we have seen President Trump to do. And for them to take the side of uh, against President Trump in this case, it just goes to show that they will take us back to a very weak foreign policy and national security stance.
3: That's how hateful the Democrats are for the United States of America. They're given column A, Donald Trump. Column B, Qasem Soleimani. They chose column B. That lets you know how much they hate this country. It's 916. Uh, Kurt Schlichter is going to respond to this, retired U.S. Army colonel next on AM 1420. Yes. All right, 19 minutes after 9 o'clock, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I made it about as plain as I can make this on a tweet that I sent during the last break. Democrats have been given a choice on whom to back. Choice A is President Donald J. Trump, President of the United States. Choice B is Qasem Soleimani, terrorist mastermind of the nation of Iran, the world's largest sponsor of Islamic terrorism. Democrats have chosen B. Democrats have chosen B. They hate Donald Trump so much that they have chosen Qasem Soleimani. They have chosen the Ayatollah Khomeini. They have chosen the world's largest sponsor of Islamic terrorism over the President of the United States. Joining us now to react to that as promised. Kurt Schlichter is a retired Army Colonel. He is also a member, is a, a Los Angeles based trial attorney. And Kurt Schlichter is a senior columnist at townhall.com. Kurt, good morning
1: is it ever a good morning it is a glorious morning justice has been done this SOB murdered over 600 americans maimed a bunch more now he's in little chunks it's a great day oh and the the sobbing and and whining of the liberals the justice has been done to their pal that's just icing on the cake what a great day
3: it is every bit of that, uh, Kurt. I started my program in much the same way you just came onto the air. Uh, it is a great morning, not just a good morning, because of this. But I need you to respond to these these American liberals who are literally choosing to side with Soleimani and with Iran over our president. And I want to use this as just maybe the one liberal speaking for all of them, Hollywood uh, uh, actress Rose McGowan. I'm sure you've seen it. She tweeted this morning and got Dear Iran trending so that other people are doing similar things. She tweeted, Dear Iran, the USA has disrespected your country, your flag, your people. 52% of us humbly apologize. We want peace with your nation. We are being held hostage by a terrorist regime. We do not know how to escape. Please do not kill us. She well. is apologizing for the killing of a man with the blood of hundreds of Americans on his hands and instead calling our leader, the man who ordered the strike, the terrorist. Um, and, and, and it's you know, she's not a one-off because she is being retweeted, retweeted and Dear Iran is trending across Twitter.
1: I encourage people to be very clear about what they truly believe. Now Rose McGowan's a lunatic, uh, but she's also a liberal. Look, I'm I'm actually staring at Santa Monica as I speak from my uh, from my deck and uh, it is full of uh, stupid people like her uh, treacherous people you know I love how they're kicking around the word traitor while they're literally taking the enemy's side in a war a war that the Iranians started and they started some four years ago what, what kills the liberals what just, what just rips them apart is the utter humiliation of having a guy like Donald Trump do What their own people couldn't, for 444 days, uh, Jimmy Carter allowed the Iranians to uh, disrespect America. Obama gave them pallets of cash. It changed nothing. It did nothing. They were in the process of murdering Americans throughout that time. And Donald Trump said, no, Donald Trump did what Americans should do. You kill an American, we're going to kill all of you. And that's what he did. And he's going to keep doing it. You know stupid Chris Murphy, you know that idiot, not not the not the guy I was gonna get to,
3: to him, but go itself. ahead, yeah, yeah,
1: <clears throat> just a couple days, uh that quarter wit was uh uh talking about how Trump, was, look at what you've got, you've got Americans cowering in the embassy, well, I don't think so. a, we didn't cower in the embassy. we put helicopter gunships overhead and marines on the ground and, and b two days later, the guy who started that well. Like I said, he's in chunks. It's a new day. They hate the idea of an aggressive America. And normal American people who see that this is a guy who masterminded the murder and maiming of hundreds and hundreds of Americans has now paid for it. Well, they're happy about it. I'm overjoyed. And I don't want war with Iraq or Iran. I would prefer not to have a war. But you don't get to kill Americans and live, ever.
3: The war part is, of course, where we need to visit now. Kurt Kurt Schlichter is my guest. He's a retired U.S. (coughs) Army colonel, and he is a uh, senior columnist at townhall.com. You should read his work at townhall.com all the time. Uh, He's also an author as well. You should read his militant normals. uh, And uh, what's next, by the way, on the author side? Um.
1: Well, my, book, my new novel, Collapse, is out, and I am uh, in the process. In fact, today I'm going to spend all day writing uh, my new nonfiction book for Regnery, which uh, uh, should be out later this year.
3: Just wanted to give you a little bit of that. Um, okay, so we need to talk about war. Uh, Joe Biden says that uh, Trump just threw a stick of dynamite into a tinderbox. Others have said this is going to force and cause a war uh, in the Middle East that we are going to be in the middle of. Um, I, I'm not going to be naive and suggest that Iran will not try to, quote-unquote, retaliate, even though it is us who has retaliated against them for their killing of Americans and the targeting of Americans. But nonetheless, they are going to do something and use this as justification, and it could draw us into a bigger conflict. How do you uh, how do you react to that, and do we justify it?
1: Well, actually, you've, you've correctly assessed it draw us into a bigger conflict, because the conflict's been going on for 40 uh, 40 years, all right? They grabbed our hostages, they murdered Marines in Beirut, they've been murdering Americans uh, ever since, including in Saudi Arabia and in Iraq. So this is is not starting a war, this is perhaps finishing it. Now, the Iranians had no idea Trump was going to do this. They were gobsmacked. They were completely struck. How do I know? Because this guy exposed himself and let himself get killed. They didn't think he was Trump was going to do it. They, they have no game plan. They don't have a contingency plan. Right now they're scrambling to figure out what's going on, but now they have to face a new reality. Donald Trump's not going to make martyrs out of a bunch of idiots who get mobilized to go to some uh, uh, some protests. He's not going to have the Apache gunships sweep the streets, make 500 martyrs for them. He's targeting the bad guys. Now the mullahs realize they've got crosshairs on their backs. Personally, this yeah, is a message that that they've got to rethink completely their strategy, because he has just changed the rules, got inside their decision cycle, seized the initiative. Donald Trump is dictating what's going on. How do the Iranians reach out? Maybe they mobilize some sleeper cells and do some terrorist attacks, but their, their options are distinctly limited, and we're watching them closely to see what they do
3: um, what do we say about the fact that we're not going to be able to fight this from a distance with rocket attacks or bombs from uh from a distance all the time we're going to have to go face to face if there is a, truly a war we're going to have to put boots on the ground again and then it's going to be new American soldiers whose blood is shed in the uh uh in the uh, uh carrying out of this of this effort uh to stop
1: it Why would we fight them on terms where they get a fair shot? You have uh, two sets of infantry. You have our infantry, highly trained, very well-armed, very well-equipped. Their infantry not as good. But still, you know, a bullet a bullet can take down a seal, okay? (laughs) Why would we fight like that? They've been using asymmetrical warfare, fighting their strength. They have very little strength, but putting it against our weakness. That's what terrorism is. It's asymmetrical. This is asymmetrical warfare by the strong party against the weaker party. This is revolutionary. This is fighting from our advantage. Our advantage is technology. Our advantage is cyber. Our advantage is standoff weaponry. Why would we give them a fair shot? I was trained at Fort Benning. They never taught me to give the enemy a fair shot. Why do you give think a that
3: this, do you think that this signals, um, a, a shift in President Trump's strategy as CIC? And what I mean by that is this was a pinprick strike. Uh, it was very narrow. It was right at the Baghdad airport. They knew where he was and, and the, the, the number of casualties of, of collateral damage was going to be minimal. But we recall back in June, uh, there was a retaliatory strike ordered and was ready to go against Iran after they shot down our drone. And then President Trump asked how many people would be killed. And, uh, they said, said, I don't remember the number, it was going to be over 50 or 150 would likely die, and he called it off and said, no, it's not worth that.
1: Um, exactly. So
3: my question is, do you think the president will will fight fair as you're talking about, or will he be willing to kill uh, whoever needs to be killed in order to win this war without the shedding of American blood?
1: Oh well, he'll do what he has to do, but it's very clear the Trump doctrine is, I'm going to hold the people personal, who do this personally responsible. The people who plan it and the people who can say yes or no, those are the guys we're going after. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go get a bunch of you know minions sitting around the uh, 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 IRGC base. We're going after you, and that means that means much more targeted. It means uh, on our schedule. Um, yeah, it's it, 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 it's actually quite different. I mean. You know, they they can have their little parade for the pieces of, uh, you know, and funeral for the pieces that they uh, sweep up of Soleimani. Uh, But remember, this is an important message to the freedom forces in Iran. He he was not popular with everyone in Iran. He was an oppressor that this is going to uh, uh, send a shockwave. ...through the resistance in Iran, which we should be supporting. Our end goal should be mullahs hanging from lampposts and the great Persian people having control of their own country again. It's a great country. It's an ancient country. It deserves to be free. And uh, this is a step towards its freedom.
3: And yet, uh, despite the great move that this was, the left continues to, uh, 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 you know, gnash their teeth and wring their hands and clutch their pearls Aww. and all the humanity. Uh, Kurt Schlichter, retired U.S. Army colonel, senior columnist at TownHall.com from Los Angeles. Kurt, thank you so much. My Thanks, my friend. God bless you. That's Kurt Schlichter joining us. It's 930. We'll get news now on the other side. We're going to have a different kind of conversation, a previously scheduled interview Uh, away from the uh, Baghdad operation and the strike that killed Soleimani. But we are going to talk about the danger uh, of socialism rising in the United States in the person of one of the Democrat candidates. Uh, And we're going to talk to somebody with firsthand knowledge of that socialism, uh, somebody whose family escaped from Venezuela when things were at their worst. We'll talk about that next on AM 1420. All over the glorious United States of America today. It is not shining where Qasem Soleimani is. Although it is bright there, I can tell you that. I can say with, with, with some clarity, I really believe, and some assu- assurity, uh, assuredness, rather, that it is uh, it is bright where he is, but not from sunshine. It's the flames that are burning his a right now, uh, that are brightening uh, the day of General of General Soleimani. We're going to pivot away from the... Uh, the uh, killing of the iranian terrorist leader for a moment although i think i can make a segue here really uh into my guest because um i've said before that liberal americans hate this country they want to fundamentally transform this country and their hatred has never been on more display than when they've been given a choice today president donald j trump who killed Uh, ordered the killing of a terrorist who has taken the lives of hundreds of Americans, and Lord knows how many thousands have been wounded in terror attacks plotted by Soleimani and his Quds forces, all right? They hate America, and they've been given a choice, Donald Trump or Soleimani. They're choosing Soleimani. They're mad at Donald Trump for killing Soleimani. They're apologizing to Iran. They hate this country. Here's the segue to my guest. The same liberals who hate this country and intend to fundamentally transform it are going to choose one of them from the cesspool of candidates on the Democrat debate stage to run for president of the United States. When they do, they're going to try to convert this country from the beacon of greatness and uh, uh, and the uh, uh, greatest force for good in the history of the world in this capitalist nation that has lifted so many millions and millions and millions out of poverty through the decades and to try to tear it down and rebuild it on, in a socialist model. That's my segue. Venezuela was the home of my next guest. Daniel DiMartino is a Venezuelan expatriate and a Young Voices contributor. He studies economics at Indiana University, Purdue uh, University, Indianapolis, and he wrote an op-ed for USA Today that got a lot of people talking, first-hand knowledge of what socialism does to a previously successful country. Uh, Daniel Martino, thank you so much for joining us here in Cleveland on AM 1420 The Answer. How are you? Hi, Bob.
5: Thank you for having me.
3: It's a pleasure to have you. I read with great interest your uh, op-ed in USA Today. And before we start talking about the nuts and bolts of it, and I'm going to ask you to tell the story in a shorter version of what your family endured, especially when Hugo Chavez and following him Maduro um, uh, brought the socialist hammer down on the people of Venezuela. Let me ask you this. How has your uh, editorial been received um, where you are?
5: Well, I would say that overwhelmingly positive. Uh, you know, Venezuelans overwhelmingly agree that what the Democrats are saying, or at least the most radical wing of the Democratic Party, those, um, you know, like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, Ilan Omar, mm-hmm. they are pushing ideas that are not America's, you know. They are pushing ideas that were implemented in the Soviet Union. These are not, this is not even liberalism like we've known it until before President Barack Obama. This is a new kind of leftism that is going to destroy America if it ever gets implemented. Um, so I, I've had a lot of positive reviews. There's always the crazies who say, you know, Venezuela was not real socialism. This is never going to happen in America. But that's the same story we heard in Venezuela back in the 90s, and it happened.
3: Well, that's exactly why I asked the question, because I knew you were going to get pushback. I'm glad to hear, by the way, that it's been overwhelmingly positive. But the pushback you have gotten is there, and it is that message saying that, oh, well, Venezuela is such a bad example. People who are using Venezuela as the, uh, as the analogy here are doing it wrong because of ABCD and E. They're trying to say that that will never happen here. You lived there. Your family lived there. And I want you to tell, tell us in a bit of a shorter version, uh, than your op-ed, exactly what happened to your once successful family with Parents who were making thousands of dollars a month and thriving when uh, when the socialist uh, uh, hammer that Hugo Chavez brought in uh, to nationalize everything in the country was was uh, enforced.
5: Yes, look what happened. Hugo Chavez was elected in 1998 with the promise of making everybody equal, of reducing you know inequality, giving things for free to the poor, from healthcare to education to. Gasoline to electricity, water, absolutely everything you can think of. Housing, everything. And in the earlier years, he started doing exactly that. He nationalized many things, including housing construction. So he started something he called the Gran Misión Vivienda, which means like great housing mission. And the government built hundreds of thousands of apartments which over time, many of them actually just fell apart and people died in the, because that's what happens when the government builds buildings like that. And the government spent so much money that it basically went broke. So they started printing money or purchasing power went down. Uh, they could not raise taxes enough to pay for all those programs, no matter how much they tax the rich. So they started taking away their property. They took away land. They took away people's homes. They took away... Their businesses, our business, you know, we had a gas station. They took away uh, our gas station, so we couldn't sell it any anymore. We still managed it, but we couldn't sell it. And that's still the, situ- the situation today. We can't sell it. Um, and, you know, we went from making thousands of dollars a month to just pennies per day, right? We made uh, the year we left in, at least I left in 2016, we we're making $2 a day. We would have made even less if we have stayed. Uh, and that's, that's what happens under socialism, you know. And that's what would happen if AOC, Bernie Sanders, get their way.
3: Give me a little bit more on that. We're talking to Daniel DiMartino. He is a Venezuelan expatriate living in the United States now. He is studying uh, economics at uh, University of Indiana. You wrote this, the excuses for these shortages, uh, talking about shortages of water and electricity and power outages and so on and so forth, uh, were hollow. You wrote, in reality, Venezuela has the largest proven oil reserves in the world to use for electricity, three times more freshwater resources per person than the United States. The real reason your family went without water and electricity was the socialist economy instituted by Chavez and Maduro. How is that explained to the people, or do they not have to explain to the people of Venezuela, how it is that those vast resources are being uh, being wasted and not uh, providing for the people?
5: Well, this is the funny part, right? Once they implement their socialist system and it doesn't work, they blame you or they blame me, right? They blame people who are against the system. They say that it is sabotage, that it is, you know, the businessmen who are raising prices or the worst of all the excuses, it's any one who ate the cable and the half of the country went without electricity because of one one, of course, right? <clears throat> so... That's the that's problem. Every time they get into power and their system doesn't work, they just want more power and more government control, and it's ne- a never-ending slippery slope.
3: Um, Daniel, in your the third section of your op-ed, which I found very interesting, I want to drill down deeper on this. What similarities do you say? You mentioned the names of Sanders and Warren and AOC and others, and, and Ilhan Omar, and you even uh, talk about Omar. Yes. Uh, and others in your in your article, what similarities do you see? Because they're telling us, no, 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 no. What we want to do is, quote, democratic socialism. That's different than regular socialism. That's different than Venezuelan socialism. Uh, is there a difference? Uh, and explain what you meant by that part of your essay.
5: Yeah, the only difference between democratic and non-democratic socialism is how they start into power, right? Hugo Chavez was elected in 1998 democratically, initially. Uh, it just stops being democratic over time. But whether it's democratic or not, the result is the same. It's socialism. And socialism is government control over the means of production. And you see Elizabeth Warren advocating this when she wants a wealth tax, where she's going to take money out of your bank account and she's going to take away people's businesses. They're going to have to sell it to pay for the tax uh, every year. This is not an income tax. This is taking away from what you own every year over and over. This, you see it in Bernie Sanders' proposals when he when he wants to not only give free health care, but free housing, uh, jobs to everybody in the government. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a government expansion never seen in the history of any country. Only in Cuba and Venezuela and perhaps the Soviet Union, where the government is going to hire millions and millions of people to do nothing.
3: Yeah, because so, uh, because they're promised a job yeah, if. A lot of Anybody who wants a job will have a job, even if there is nothing to do. That is exactly right. To go further on health care, though. Uh, free health care. You know, every Democrat on the debate stage, when this whole thing began, there were around twenty something of them, uh, raised their hand when asked, "Will your Medicare for All plan include coverage for illegal aliens living in the United States?" And this isn't about the illegal aliens, but it's the point that every human being in the in in the country would be covered by Medicare for All or universal free health care paid for by the tax dollars of the workers um you've seen that firsthand tell us what that would do to healthcare in the u.s
5: look in the best case scenario where the united states just goes into a system like the europeans right now i'm talking to you from italy where i'm, I'm spending the holiday to see some family members mm-hmm. uh, my parents moved to spain you have to to wait over a year to see any specialized uh doctor in spain or in italy over a year. Go to the ophthalmologist. My cousin had to wait a year and two months. For my grandmother, who had to get her leg checked by a specialized doctor, the social security uh, system in Spain, that's how it's called the, the healthcare there, mm-hmm. uh, she had to wait over a year. She's still waiting, actually. She's going to get it checked later this month. Um, so that's, that's the trade-off, right? Whether you want a system that is cheaper, in their eyes, but then ration scare, or you want a system that is extremely expensive and it's going to bankrupt the country and doesn't ration uh, anything. And that's what's, that's what's happening uh, with the, their Medicare proposals, right? Medicare for all costs so much money because they're not rationing enough. So it, it, it's a whole problem. That's the problem, and that's why the government shouldn't control healthcare. care. Right, uh, because eventually know, it would lead to that. That can happen.
3: Eventually it would lead to that rationing that you're talking about, especially when they're going to be covering everybody who's here, including people who are not paying into it, uh, you know, illegal aliens and others who are not, uh, part of the, uh, you know, part of the, uh, funding of, of the Medicare for All program. Now, you also pointed out, uh, that the proposals being offered by American Democratic candidates for president mirroring some of the, uh, policies that were, that, that wrecked the, the nation of Venezuela and that the, na- the budget deficit, the national debt, which is already a uh, record high, will continue to skyrocket. And as you point out, one of the socialists, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who supports uh, Bernie Sanders, said, well, we just need to print more money. Asking the Federal Reserve to
5: print more money. How did that work in Venezuela? Not just her, Bob, not just her. The main economic advisor of Bernie Sanders is an economist called Stephanie Kelton. She supports something called modern monetary theory, which Mm -hmm. is a nice name for printing money to pay for government spending which is hyperinflation. It's something the US hasn't done and should never do. It is something only underdeveloped, terrible economies do. Um not just them, you know, one of the speech writers for Sanders, um, David Tirota, wrote an op ed in twenty thirteen saying that Venezuela was an economic miracle. In twenty thirteen I couldn't buy things on the street because there were shortages. I had blackouts every week. It's no economic miracle. And if that's what The people who work for Democratic presidential candidates think, imagine what they would do were they to get in power.
3: Oh, it's 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 terrifying to think about. And and I know that's why this is so important to you that you wrote about it uh for USA today. And and I'm going to give you one chance to respond as you did at the end of your column to those who say anybody who points to Venezuela as the model and anybody who says Venezuela can happen here is being intellectually dishonest. And you cited Paul Krugman as being one of one of those who said that. What what do you say to those people now?
5: I think they're uncomfortable because Using the example of their measures, all of their measures getting implemented, it's a disaster, and they don't want to face the reality. And Venezuela is the reality. It's not Europe. If it was Europe, they would be proposing lower corporate tax rates like many European countries have, right? Well, they don't want that. They want full socialism. They don't even, they they don't even want Nordic socialism. They want full Soviet-style Venezuelan socialism. And that's what worries me. And I don't think all Democrats think that way. I don't even think a majority of Democratic primary voters think that way, which is why I think they need to push out this radical from their party.
3: I, uh, what I would love to see is to 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 make it mandatory that every candidate for president uh, that is thinking about socialism as a model has to spend a week in Venezuela. What do you think? Send them down to Caracas and let them see they see firsthand what the what the people of Venezuela are going through, especially those who have no water for weeks on end, as you described your family dealing with no electricity for periods of time, rationed food, rationed healthcare. I think they should have to experience it firsthand. What do you think?
5: I think that it would be great. Uh, we, I mean, they could go to where I live, they could go to where many of my friends currently live, and they wouldn't last a week. <laughs> they wouldn't last a week, I, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, my uncle, uh, one of my uncles in Italy, he told me about uh, his father. His father is already dead, but he worked in trains when it was, you know, the Cold War, the Soviet Union was still there on the Berlin Wall. So he went by train, to the Soviet Union many times because that was, part of, that was part of his job for some chemical company. And his father was a communist. He, he thought that, you know, the Soviet Union was good, all these equality things. He took them one time to the Soviet Union. That was all it took for him to stop being a communist forever. And that's what perhaps we need to do in the United States.
3: I think you may be right, uh, Daniel DiMartino. Again, uh, a student at uh, in in Indiana Indiana University. I would say it's IUPUI, right? That's the uh, abbreviation, right? IUPUI. That's right. Yeah, uh, and uh, is a Venezuelan expat. Uh, Daniel, thank you for sounding the alarm. We may call on you again as we get closer to the uh, election in November to remind everybody of the choice they have between capitalism and the burgeoning socialism being advanced by the Democrats. We appreciate that.
5: I love to thank you for having me, Bob. Th- thank you, Daniel.
3: God bless. Uh, that's Daniel DiMartino. Martino. He closed his essay, by the way, for USA Today by saying uh, quote, in his recent state of this is from last February, in his recent State of the Union address, President Trump said, America will never be a socialist country. I sincerely hope that the President is right and that every American can resist the lure of false promises, so this great country can always shine above the dark cloud of socialism and avoid Venezuela's fate. Thank you, Daniel. We'll get a quick time out here and come back and take some phone calls. Um, Soleimani is dead. Democrats are mourning his loss. Somehow, some way, that's a reality. We'll respond to that coming up on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Right, nine fifty six. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Claire Lopez. She is a Middle East expert working with the Center for Security Policy. She's a 20-year CIA veteran as well. And we're going to get her thoughts on what uh, the United States has done with the killing of General Suleimani, the uh, one of the world's leading sponsors of terror, from the le- world's leading sponsor of terror. I mean, really, that's what Iran is, and he was the mastermind. Navy man Norm in Strongsville joining us now on AM 1420 The Answer. Norm, go ahead, sir.
6: What a wonderful way to start the new year, Bob. You know, the the previous uh, occupant of the White House used to send cash to the Iranians and our president sends them ashes. I think it's wonderful. The New York Times and the CNN were boohooing about all the mourners that were outside the U.S. embassy the other day when the uh, uh, Iranian-backed militias were protesting. I say, good, let's send them more mourners, more. I think the president is just... Bob, I am so thankful that he is in the White House and not some Democrat socialist that would get on his knees and bow to the Iranians and the Russians and the Chinese. God bless President Trump. And, and you know and, what else, uh,
3: Norm? In addition to that, um, you know them not being in power—that's um, a great thing. Uh, but you—you you may have heard and read Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and others complaining that they weren't consulted before this strike was made. There's a reason why the strike was successful.
6: Because if we had consulted
3: them it would have been leaked about five hours in advance and you never would have been there
6: you don't you don't consult a rat before you set a rat trap, Bob very simple, and that's exactly, exactly what policy and Schiff are because you know like, as you say uh, between them and leaky Leahy and the rest of them you it would it would not have happened because he would have disappeared into the desert but the way they handled it all the way down the line the state Department the CIA, God bless them and I'll tell you what. This is a message to the uh, grand, <clears throat> grand Molo or whatever. You're next. So you want to play games, you're next. So God bless America. Well, that's, bless a great,
3: that's a great point. God bless America indeed. Thank you. That's a great point. I can guarantee you, though, that Khomeini, the Ayatollah Khomeini, who's uh, uh, the supreme leader, is not going to be uh, hanging around near an airport anytime soon, out in the open and available for strikes. Uh, that's the one thing that we do know. President Trump is, uh, you know, if there was an opportunity, Lord only knows if he would actually carry it out. I hope he would, because Khomeini, now this would be a full-on assassination of another nation's leader, but Khomeini is indeed threatening retaliation, threatening massive retaliation for the killing of his uh, henchmen, uh, Soleimani. Uh, So I personally would absolutely take him out. Uh, Make them start from scratch, uh, rather than sending them pallets of cash, as you say, to use against America and her allies. James in Lorraine County next. James, I've got a short time. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, hi, Bob. Good morning to you, and happy New Year. Thank you. I uh, wanted to comment on the uh, Iranian attack. I was watching uh, Fox
6: last night, and I happened to switch over channels to MSNBC, CNN.
1: And you're exactly right. They are
6: apologizing.
1: They can't help themselves. They can't triple with themselves fast enough to apologize. It's, well, it's, you're right. They're yeah.
3: apologizing and, and they're expressing anger with Donald Trump, <laughs> suggesting that Donald, thank you for the call, that Donald Trump is doing this for political purposes. It takes the attention off of his impeachment and all the rest. Uh, they are. They are anti-American, as I said before, and I tweeted and I Facebooked, and I'll do it again. They are truly uh, given a choice. Do we back A, Donald Trump, Orange Man Bad, or B, the uh, mastermind of terror in Iran, Soleimani? And they have chosen B. They have chosen to support him, wishing that he were still alive, rather than Donald Trump be getting credit for killing him, and, uh, Donald Trump doing the exact opposite of what their hero did, who, who empowered Soleimani and empowered, uh, um, Uh, the Ayatollah, with the pallets of cash. Thanks so much for the call. We're going to talk to Claire Lopez about this as we continue right here.